This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, what I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Journal of My Life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Hope everybody's having a great week. I, like I said uh, on the Select Start episode, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and very safe Thanksgiving for that matter. This episode is going to be a lot of fun to talk about because on our talk topic today, we're going to be covering the... Marvel 616 documentary series on Disney Plus, which covers a lot of different subjects that we don't get to talk about or we don't hear about much in terms of the Marvel comic universe. The first episode is something near and dear to me because if you're an old comic book convention buff like me, and I'm not talking about San Diego Comic Con or New York Comic Con or any other of these new age Comic Cons or conventions that we go to now. I'm talking about the old school comic book convention where you just go to get some exclusive or rare comics. Uh, you, in particular, like some good deals out of there, some really exclusive things you never get before. But most of all, tape trading. <laughs> tape trading came from comic book conventions like the ones that we used to go to back in the day in the 90s and before the glitz and glamour and cosplaying and all this stuff tape trading was one of those spectacular things that you could do because you would get things that you that were hard to find and without the internet back then as strong as it is now it was even harder to find it so comic book conventions were probably the best place to get these rare treasures one of which would be tapes of rather cartoons we haven't seen in years or ever before to like like the x-men pilot from the 80s or the 60s uh series you know the stop motion comic book series that they used to uh air back in the day but one in particular was a tape that you can find at a comic book convention which included episodes of japanese spider-man and this is a show that was exclusive to Japan at the time. We were never supposed to see this, yet somehow, some way through tape trading, we were able to get a hold of that. And we would have to buy it in stores. The first thing I saw when I went to my first comic book convention ever was, in fact, the Japanese. Like, at, as soon as we go into the comic book convention, all we see is like a booth, a table with tapes and a TV screen. And all you see is Spider Man with a robot in a car and it's like what the hell is going on here why is this happening i want more of this <laughs> and in fact japanese um there was a japanese spider-man that 
some people may actually don't know about. Like, if you're a hardcore Marvel comics fan or a comic book fan, you know about this. But to many, they don't. Disney Plus via Marvel has a documentary series called Marvel 616, and they are covering. The first episode is covering Japanese Spider-Man. So we get more detail about what went into this, how this started and all the stuff. So we're going to talk about that in detail on our talk topic of the week today on this episode. I'm looking very much forward to talking about this because I watched the series back then. I actually just recently brought a t-shirt with the Japanese Spider-Man uh, theme on air. It's awesome. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to talking about this. This is, this is just something that kind of is near and dear to me. And I hope this leads disney plus to adding those episodes onto the series because i think it'd be awesome it's like okay why not just add it on we'll talk about that later on we also got some news to talk about some good and some sad news so let's not waste any time folks let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg All right, let's start with the sad news first, and one of which is that it is it is still hitting us to this day. It's November 30th, 2020. We just got through a hell of an election. We just went through a lot of loss and a lot of dark times and things. Thank goodness is starting to soften up, but we can't forget that we lost a king throughout all this. Yesterday, November 29th, 2020, would have been the 43rd anniversary of the Black Panther himself, Chadwick Boseman. It was his birthday. He would have been 43. He was born on November 29th, 1976. And while he lived a short life, he gained a lasting legacy. And, uh, you know, I got to say, this it's just still shocking. With every, I mean, it just so much has gone on in 2020. And, we cannot forget that we lost. This is probably the most, probably has to be the most shocking of all passings this year because it came out of nowhere. It's just amazing. Um, I just what he did in his days leading into him going into a pasture. It's just nothing short of phenomenal, and it's something because we live in a short attention society. We tend to quickly forget the things that happens and i think we need to condition ourselves to start thinking more thoroughly more in detail to remember things like this like chadwick if you guys remember chad the stories that you heard after he passed and when everybody was shocked to hear this the th not only just that he passed but the things that he was doing leading up to it you know he was still supporting you know cancer you know people uh, kids with cancer he was still you know being a hero to them um he was still working he, there's still movies that are going to be coming out even after this fact like netflix is about to come out with a mo another movie that stars him as well coming soon it's he's an amazing man he was an amazing man he deserves to be called king uh he deserves to be called a true hero happy birthday chadwick boseman and you know again thoughts and prayers to the wife family of uh mr bozeman and it's just it's just gone too damn soon wakanda forever my man so you remember november 29th a king was born definitely remember that also some other sad news uh and this is quite of a contrast here um is that star wars actor dave prouse died at the age of 85 he Many of you may not know this. Star Wars fans do know the name. Uh, hardcore Star Wars fans, I should say. Definitely knows his name. He was the man behind the Vader outfit. He was the one that was doing all the moves, the fighting, and all that stuff. He, uh, during the first original trilogies. He was born in uh, 1935 in Bristol, England. Before his performances in, Star in the Star Wars tri uh, trilogy, the original Star Wars trilogy, he was a bodybuilder. 
he where he used to hang out with the likes of legends like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Luther Rigno and many others. He also trained uh, the legendary Superman himself, Christopher Reeve. You know, this is really amazing. George Lucas actually hired him to play the role, but realized that his accent wasn't playing into the character that he was depicting. So this led to Lucas hiring the one and only James Earl Jones to dub the iconic voice of the Sith Lord because, you know, lo and behold, as much as we love James Earl Jones, from a body frame standpoint, he doesn't fit the, <laughs> fit the look that he wants. So they combine, he, George Lucas brilliantly just combined the two together. And I don't think anybody's done it like that since. So, you know, it was like a match made in heaven between the two. It'd be, it would have been really cool to see those two being interviewed at the same time. Uh, if it's out there, somebody please let me know. I don't know, but it would have been really cool to see that. But, um, you know, Dave like, died at 85, but man, look at the legacy. He, talk about a legacy. You know, you, you compare that to Chadwick Boseman. It's like they both have some really everlasting legacies here. Although be it one, you know, left damn near half the amount of years that uh, the other one did. Uh, so it's it's amazing. It, it makes it makes you really feel how how much more valuable Chadwick Boseman's career, short-lived career, was. Uh, what he was able to do in that short amount of time compared to people like Dave Prowse, who was lived throughout eighty and was able to do a lot of great things. This is kind of the idea, people, that you should take into consideration and to and to say no matter how long you live is what you do in it is what matters no matter you could live as long as 80 to 90 you could live as long as 43 you could die today or tomorrow but live with no regrets live knowing that you gave it all live knowing that you are very satisfied with everything you did leave knowing that you put in all of the effort and energy to doing what you love and i always say this to myself all the time if today is my last day i don't regret what i did yesterday because i am very proud of the work that i put into doing all of what i've done everything that i've done to this day so rest in peace to both of them you know indeed so uh let's talk about let's continue to star wars uh news here because I got to talk about my thoughts on the latest episode of The Mandalorian. If you all have seen it, you know that this is possibly the most important episode of the entire series, which debuted Rosario Dawson as the fan favorite Clone Wars character, Asuka Tano, who was the former protege of Anakin Skywalker, AKA Darth Vader in the, in the animated series. And you know, it's funny, truth be told, and this is how much of a Star Wars fan that I am not, because I stopped watching that series. I think possibly in the second season, I just fell off it, not realizing how, and I heard everybody, especially on the ACMG Facebook group during those years, that it got so much better, that it was really great, uh, that the writing and the directing was awesome here. And I just, I just didn't get, I just, come to terms that I was just not a Star Wars fan to that extent but I am a still a Star Wars fan to the point that I can really watch it but not be like I not be a fan like I am the way I am with uh the Marvel Cinematic Universe you know because I grew up a Marvel fan <laughs> and no um pretty much but Dave Filoni directed this episode and you could tell because <laughs> Dave Filoni is also for much, you know, for what fans know, Dave Filoni is also the director of the Clone Wars episode. So it was only right that he create this episode and have that character. And, and they, there was talks about Rosario Dawson playing this role, but it wasn't concrete. Nobody, not everybody really knew it was really concrete. It was just word saying, well, it exactly happened in that way. And I'm glad it did because she did phenomenal. Uh, when I saw her in the whole entire, you know, in, in the cosmetic of, of Tano, I lit up. 
majorly because I know how popular this character is. I knew this was a big deal. I, I empathize for hardcore Star Wars fans when I saw this, and I'm like, oh, people are going to need tissues, boxes of tissues when they see this, when they see her premiere. It is just awesome. Um, she did a phenomenal job playing this role, and she played a much more older version of it because it's years after it's years eons after the events of the clone war situation so she's a lot older and more mature and she's she is a jedi master at this point uh so she's far removed from the days of being a protege it was just awesome and i thought uh rosario dawson who i i am a huge fan of love no matter what she's in but in particular clerks too i was really a big fan of her on that she she just you you crushed on her heart in that damn movie but she did so awesome in this uh playing that and the deal was was that the mandalorian was seeking uh help uh to have her train the kid and i in previous episodes they uh, you know he was uh giving advice to seek her for advice they didn't say who it was they just said that you need i know where you need to go to uh, make sure that he's tra- well trained as a jedi and to train his uh force powers we didn't realize who this was but we found out in this episode so dawson plantano was not only a gift giving to star wars fans as she revealed something else she actually revealed the name of baby yoda which we now put to rest the name baby yoda as we were introduced or reintroduced to grogu (laughs) grogu is the name of baby yoda and we can now put that baby yoda thing to pasture uh or even the kid is what mando would call him so like that's just done i i don't mind The, the name is cool i like the name it's pretty cool i think we'll get used to it uh baby yoda was just such a sweet name to call him because he's a sweet little character in here and almost a pikachu level <laughs> so um but the thing was was that you know asuko um asuko uh, reclined decline to train uh groku because of the growing bond between the kid and mando so now it is up to mando to make sure that grogu uh becomes the powerful jedi he was destined to be which kind of sounds like bando has become a pokemon trainer at this point <laughs> so i the episode was completely awesome it was the first time i ever wanted to watch the mandalorian twice and i i, I i'm so excited about this even if this was a one-time deal what this episode did by having uh that character in there by having rosario dawson play that character is that it legitimized everything that they created in the star wars lore right down to the actual you know cartoon connections and everything like this was this i i I told i told people on the acmg facebook group that this was the equivalent of the agents of shield episode which connected to the winter soldier and that's when you made it important and we finally got to see something like this because that character is connected to the animated universe and it was always been said that the events of the animated universe is directly connected to the events of the tr- of the three trilogies of the prequels and this totally uh, legitimizes this in fact was not only the best episode in the entire series since uh series one and series two this is literally the most important episode of anything that has ever been done in star wars connecting this all together and it's just fantastic i really enjoyed it i thought she did a great job and what also was so awesome about this episode was that the fighting i mean it 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 was they gave it us everything it was gunslinging uh you know gunfights there was sword fights there was force battles there was fanfare there was everything this felt more like star wars than anything i've ever watched in any of the episodes and i love every episode of the mandalorian so i mean i oh boy this was so awesome unfortunately she won't be on next week but i love the fact that they have a different director on every week every uh, episode you know it, it's a collage of different creative uh you know visions and i i really enjoy what john favreau has done and i'm sorry but um this one knocked it out the park here this <laughs> dave uh filoni really really 
he 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 set the standards for how you're doing this show because <laughs> i don't it's gonna be interesting to see how the other episodes are gonna be but i it's awesome i love this series that ser- that episode right there was my favorite so last bit of news that i have for here uh for this segment is something i would never got a chance to talk about on our select start this is gaming news um didn't get a chance to talk about this because i wanted to focus on that stupid playstation 5 bot situation and if you didn't hear my uh i i, I don't want to call it a rant i'll just call it an editorial at best but if you didn't hear about that and why i believe i understand and know how we can actually stop and prevent these bots from happening and all these underground selling of playstation 5s go check out the recent episode of select start and uh especially if you haven't gotten a playstation 5 yet and you're eager to get one please listen to that before you actually get before you make a bad investment (laughs) of getting one of these uh ebay uh edition ps5s here so i mean just definitely go out of your way to check it out but i didn't get a chance to talk about this and i'm extremely excited about this i Actually, I got this late in the game, but Square Enix announced a sequel to The World Ends With You coming 2021. I was blown away when I saw this because I didn't even, I didn't think in my dreams I would I even thought that they would continue doing anything different to the series. Uh, the game is going to be called Neo, The World Ends With You, which uh, will include an all new cast of characters entering the contest. The time, uh, this time the game will be fully rendered in 3D with some awesome with the awesome art style of uh tetsuya namura uh and i i I mean you know i am very excited about this because i love the original game there's no word on the control scheme or whether it will be like the first game where it relied on touchscreen gameplay uh which i hope it doesn't i hope that it'll allow us to use you know because it's now on the uh, the nintendo switch i hope they allow us to use um actual control schemes that doesn't involve touchscreen features because it just it, it that part bothers me and i don't understand why they didn't reconfigure the first game to make it that way i thought that they could easily do that but it was just a straight port from the uh, the ios version so i don't know but i hope this one is different i hope this one because i love the game i love the story and if you guys recall the anime is coming also coming out sometime in 2021 which is based on the original game series so if you haven't checked out the world ends with you and your rpg fan and a square enix fan you got to go out of your way to check this out so it's as far as i know this is going to be exclusive to nintendo switch and it will be coming out summer of 2020 so i am very excited for that folks that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and we're going to talk deeply about marvel 616 documentary series the first episode covering japanese spider-man we'll do that right after this Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. Hey, this is Jeff Thorne. I am the writer, producer, showrunner of the Avengers Black Panther's Quest TV series, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of Marvel 616 documentary series, the first episode that is focused on the Japanese Spider-Man series. As I am looking at it on my screen in my office right now, I am just I am astounded that they are covering this. It is so awesome. I mean, like, talk about if you ever want a reason to get Disney Plus, and if you're a Marvel fan, they're giving you everything. I mean, 
everything well i wouldn't say everything because if they don't give us the actual series to this and i don't understand why they wouldn't like we got the anime we got the japanese anime from them i don't understand it would be a no-brainer to allow us to see uh the 2a you know uh company you know series of Sp japanese spider-man you know they already cover this why not just bring the whole thing i hope they do but because i, I think everybody should see it no matter how ridiculous it made look in this time and era uh it's something to behold it, it's something very it, it's an historical milestone if you will but marvel 616 for those who don't know is a uh anthology documentary series that goes deep into the history and culture of Mar the marvel comic universe the series provides eight episodes covering the vast and diverse world that is marvel comics and has created uh, a lot of content and you know culture throughout the span of decades so they're covering a lot of things that doesn't get talked about much in terms of uh the comic book universe and the fandom that has come along with it and that has grown for years in it so some of you may know and some of you may not know about it but the series also celebrates the fandom as well as the fans while reminding us that anyone can be an artist a writer a producer and of course a hero and that's what this whole entire 616 series covers and in such a beautiful way uh i love it because they're showing like manga from japan and one of them is kanikoman I, I, it's really interesting to see kanikoman in a marvel related you know uh you know media content right here so japanese spider-man is the first episode that they're covering they're doing a documentary each documentary is different they're covering different aspects of the uh of the universe and the brand that they have built throughout the years and japanese spider-man is the first in 1978 which was a year after i was born uh marvel comics and japanese distributor toei uh which you guys have known to have a lot it does a lot of the super sentai series as well as uh anime series as well toei signed a deal to bring marvel characters to uh Japanese television. The first collaboration was a massive hit that revolutionized an entire genre of popular Japanese entertainment. So the episode starts with a man by the name of Gene Pelk, who was Marvel's representative uh, from 1976 uh, to 1985. He explains that three people brought him to Japan, uh, which was his wife, Stan Lee, and of course, Spider-Man. He, he talked about how he noticed the abundance of manga in Japanese, including Kanika Manamore, which is what I just saw uh, Astro Boy there showing too on his, in his, as an example. Uh, he was surprised not to see actual American comic books. So if you guys ever read manga and if you read comics, you know that there is a stark contrast in the two and one and particularly is how we read the books. Um, one is from left to right. The other is from right to left so you know you read it in that sense um there's also a sense of narrative as well you know so he contacted uh stan and asked why their books were not being displayed and sold to japan um to which they said that it doesn't they sent some books over there it didn't really sell much over there so they decided to opt out he then convinced them to do so otherwise he talked about how in the japanese uh, their audience prefer books that are more focused on visual rather than dialogue like we do to tell a story. Um, Gene then felt that they could definitely sell their characters in Japan if they do it in the way that the Japanese audience would like. Uh, so he also did notice in, in the uh, too, and, uh, and when he explained it, that there was a popular type of entertainment in the form of Super Sentai series, such as Kamen Rider, Go Ranger, you know the power rangers but the power rangers didn't come out i believe till way later but the early the earliest one is possibly common rider uh and then go ranger i think came right after it but and and there were other uh super sentai shows that were out there but felt that marvel can also cash in on it as well so gene reached out to director yoshinori watanabe of toy uh of the toy company ltd or limited who is responsible for the most legendary shows in super sentai anime history including like dragon ball and all those other you know yu yu Hakusho, show all the just a ton of shonen jump animes and manga 
that be, that came to life in the form of anime and stuff like that. Uh, Power Rangers, I believe, especially even though in Japan it's not called Power Rangers, um, I believe Saban came up with that name. I could be wrong about that, but uh, I digress. Stan Lee backed him up on this, you know, because if you guys know, Stan Lee is a guy who absolutely is a person who takes risk. And this is the part that I love personally about him in this is that like Stanley takes risk. I mean, he he realized the circumstances of what he had to do and the risk that it could be. And he would jump at it. Some things that people today are too afraid to do is to take that jump. And it is not easy. You have to think thoroughly to do stuff like this, to take risks like this, because yeah, not every time is gonna make is gonna be successful, and you will have to suffer some loss, but and sacrifice. But it is worth it if you absolutely believe in it, and if you if you put in the effort and the passion of what you believe in, and that's what Stanley has done. And because of that, he backed Gene into this and it and they went on with it the deal was to create a version of the spider of the web swinger or slinger i should say that is more assimilated to the japanese culture uh they did that definitely in this <laughs> um the other part of the deal was to make it make this for japan and it was something that was never meant to be seen in japanese in, in american eyes um although of course like i mentioned in the beginning of the show that through tape trading and through comic book conventions, we were able to witness this and we all knew about this way before. So, which also tells you about the lore of, uh, with, uh, you know, the, the fanfare and lore of their fans to go so hardcore is that we actually were able to get a hold of those tapes. So, um, it was awesome. And this is but way before the internet, like this was AOL era. So we would not be able to get that type of resource that we got now. Like if you kids grew up during high speed internet age and in that Fios age and all this stuff now, I kind of hate you guys because <laughs> you, you never had to go through what we had to go through back in the day when we like had to, our, our dial up consist of our hookup being to a telephone line. And if, you're online and somebody in your house picks up the phone completely cuts you off from the internet and you got to go back on again and it was a very tedious thing and a very annoying thing with all those damn noises that you had to hear just to get into it and sometimes it wouldn't even go through it and sometimes it would mix into a fax machine but i digress <laughs> we didn't have those resources that we have now to get information on the on, in seconds like we did before because the internet was something still so new so we had to get it in other fashions. And um, Gene talks about how, you know, basically the shows that they had in Japan was infomercials to sell their toy line, much like, you know, we kind of did, they kind of did here what Hasbro did with G.I. Joe and Transformers, which also was something that they were, you know, it was kind of, they used the same practice that they did over there. So um, Spider-Man did not have a robot or anything that resembles that uh what other super sentais had at the time going into this so through interesting <laughs> brainstorming they uh hired toy designer katsushi marakami to design a robot spidey or a robot for spidey i should say um after strategic thinking and i'm quoting i'm using quotations here they somehow came up with the concept for Spider-Man to have a robot that resembled a Sphinx that transformed into a robot. This was a quote unquote game changer uh, as it was the first robot to ever transform. While this was groundbreaking at one point, one might ask, and they actually did ask this in the documentary, why didn't the robot, why wasn't the robot considered to be a spider unfortunately marakami couldn't really give a dignified answer to that he just said that you know they hired me to make a robot i made a robot i don't ask questions <laughs> you know that's the 70s people that's how the 70s are like you they there was no i think a lot of times because we've never seen anything like we see today that the thought process was so nuanced back then that just seeing something that that's just at all inspiring and spectacular like that 
you don't think twice about the logic of it. And that's how it was back then in the 70s, or 80s, or even the 60s. When, new, when things that nuance came in, you don't think twice about it. You just are excited and you're just, it's like cavemen seeing fire for the first time. You don't, you see it looks beautiful. It looks spectacular. It looks, it brings warmth. You don't realize the dangers of fire <laughs> or the logic of don't put your hand in there until you start learning more and more about it. And then those questions start coming up. That's how it was for this, you know, that era. They would create the, in, in cartoons as well, you would create all these things. And then later on, we question why did we go about it this way? Gilligan's Island, for those who were old enough to know that, there was a ton of questions in regards to the things that, are, that went on in that series and why they lasted in that island for all that time. Um, I'll give you another example. Just recently, Saved by the Bell just came out with a new series and it plays on the ideas or the lack of ideas and logic to the old series and they that they make fun of that they they make light of the whole entire concepts of certain episodes that went on during that time and if you haven't watched the new saved by the bell I, small soft credit review go out of your way if you're a fan of that go out of your way i thought they did a fantastic job with that series and production wise and and just writing you know you got some heavy hitter writers for that but i digress um but you know there were things back then that you questioned in terms of you know logic writing dialogue stuff you know stuff like that that's how it was back then for this uh the way they filmed it you know all that all types of stuff like that so um the episodes talk uh the episode also talks about how uh this show contrasts from the live action american series from 1977 that stanley hated and they have him talking about how much he didn't like what they did to the 77 uh movie or tv series that they did back then because they didn't consult stan was uh credited as a consultant but he they didn't really consult him as much uh which made the 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 2000 uh spider-man with sam raimi so much better because it really i felt you know he did exactly what they wanted him to do and i think this is why stan lee now did cameos for content that he felt that they were doing so if, if you ever seen stan lee do anything for a movie he's in it because he believes in it that's plain and simple and that's including Fantastic Four movies, people. Because if you notice, he was in the first two Fantastic Four movies. He wasn't in the, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movies, but he was in the first two Fantastic Four movies that had Jessica Alba in there. And uh, Michael Chiklis and um, uh, Johnny... Oh God, what is his name? Um, Captain America. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Evans. Um, you know, he was in with them. But... He was not in the recent, he wasn't in the other Fantastic Four movie, that that cluster, the last Fantastic Four movie, he was not in that. So he even played a, a DJ in a strip club in, Dared, uh, in Deadpool. So <laughs> that tells you how much he respects content, man. So um, that tells you right there. But he never, he, he, he was not a fan of it. And a lot of reasons too. They didn't really, it didn't really do the show justice. Um, the documentary then talks to the stars of Spider-Man, including actor Shinji Toto, who played uh, Takuya uh, Yamashiro, aka Spider-Man, their Spider-Man. It was never Peter Parker. It was uh, a character named uh, Yamashiro, and he basically was everything Peter Parker was not. And, you know, he so he talks about his experience in there, and they talk about the story of Spider-Man. Uh, this Spider-Man was totally different from the original in terms of origin, protagonist, uh, antagonist as well, villains, technology, and just how they filmed the, sh the show in comparison to the 1977 one in America. Um, Sequoia, the story is the uh, Yamashiro uh, was a professional racer and his father was an archeologist. And somehow, some way they encountered the, an alien threat who murdered his father. So that was his Uncle Ben moment right there. The alien uh, threat then pursued uh, Yamashiro, and he, uh, who discovered his father's body. They then uh, he then ran um, to try to get away from the aliens. I forgot. I don't even know what they called those aliens. They didn't. I don't think they even mentioned it. But you know, they have him running into a cave and to get away from those aliens, the alien army, I should say, only to find a man 
named Garia, who was from the planet Spider. Again, this is 70s. This is 70s uh, dialogue and narrative. It was simpler times, I <laughs> should say. Garia gave uh, Yamashiro a bracelet, which attached itself to him, almost like symbiotic, and it injected Garia's blood into Yamashiro, um, which now gave him like the spider, the powers of Spider-Man. So he was able to do all the things that Spider-Man could do in America, but he had an extra little incentive in the form of the the uh, Spinks and the car and all that stuff. The one thing that you will know about this show and basically many Super Sentai shows in Japan is that they are, credi- they are incredibly low budget. Uh, the great part about that, though, is to see how innovative these studios can be when limited with a budget to create other uh, something that is supposed to suspend our disbelief. Which is funny because, you know, I saw this in 1977. I, wa- I The first Super Sentai series I've ever watched was like the Power Rangers um, when I used to get the tapes, you know, back in the day. And that's when I first saw the Green Ranger and realized that in Japan he died. Meanwhile, when Saban got his got the license for it, because of the popularity of the Tommy character, they they decided to rewrite that narrative and keep him alive because of how popular uh, uh, what is it, Jason David Frank or uh, was doing playing that uh, that role, and he did. He was he was probably the reason why I really really watched that because I actually liked the Japanese version better because they had a bit more dramatic feel to it. Uh, I could never know if the portray of the if the acting was great or not, but I liked what I saw from there, and it was just amazing to see because I never seen anything like it at the time. But they were incredibly um, low budget there, and uh, it was just it was just awesome because we we see that today in today's market when we have fan made you know videos out there um, of people making some really incredible stuff, and now it's to the point that. Americans, I feel like Americans have superseded Japan in, in this type of form of creativity because I recently watched the, uh, what was it, Common Rider W, and it was out, that was that premiered in 2010, just 10 years away from Shy from today, and you would think that special effects would have been a little bit more elaborate and evolved than it was um, in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, I was very surprised that like that series was incredibly low budget. And like, and I've seen fan made videos of some of our favorite fandoms had better production than what they did. Uh, uh, who is it? Um, Jason Ag- uh, Anu, who did the Street Fighter Assassin's Fist series before he even got the funds and the backing to do Assassin's Fist, he did his own thing. And his, his, fan-made video of Ryu and Ken looked like it was like had high production value to it which I don't understand like I don't know if they are doing Super Sentai series today but I would love to see what it's doing today as opposed to what they do now I gotta I maybe I should just watch one of the American versions and see if they've evolved from that because I was just very surprised at that but it's what they do in the midst of this that is amazing here and even including, uh, you know, the, the creative direction, especially when showing Spider-Man using his powers to, to climb walls and swing through web lines or whatever, which is something that the 1977 series never did. They always showed him climbing the walls, but they never show him swinging and stuff like that. The fighting scenes was really crappy, but luckily the Japan version was much better in that sense. Um, they hired stunt performers like um, Hirofuni Koga, uh, who helped with those difficult tasks and you know very difficult tasks as he explained he, they, they interviewed him on here as well uh gene talked about how they had to reuse clips to save money uh, then they went on to talk about as well the um origin of the gp7 which was the car that spider-man rode and used to fight off alien um the alien threats and the, and the uh villains in the game or the bad guys um in which was a part of their toy line the car was in fact named after gene uh, pelk who came up with the idea because he said it was a dj back in the day and they used to call him gp and they just decided that they made the the actual um car gp7 now, so that was awesome so he has somewhat of a legacy of his own in this case so it was awesome the show was able to last long enough to finish 
uh, without being canceled, meaning that they were able to have a start, medium, uh, middle, and finish in it. Um, there was one other really significant part about this uh, this actual show. I mean, this documentary is that when uh, the actual when uh, who was his name uh, Shinji Toto was talking about the scene where he actually uh, what was it? What was the scene where he was? See, the very first episode, I think, when he uh, when he was viewing that his father died, the character's father, it was around the same time where his actual father died. So he was using that emotion from real world situations right there. And I thought that was really, really interesting that they uh, did that. Plus, also, another significant part was uh, Gene talking about how business was being done back then, where, you know, him and the director of Toei were meeting at a restaurant where they just drink unconditionally and he's you know the uh in watanabe's son was known to be the king of that type of uh format per se it's like he he drinks every time he leaves the uh, job and that's how they do business drinking and having a handshake and they you know work it out that way it was not from contractual agreements whatever gene seems to believe that you know once you shake a hand it's it's by bond maybe in japan but we know from history here not everybody does that i've you know as a wrestling fan i've heard so many bad stories about that situation so you know it, it you know honestly i thought that this documentary was really really good the first episode of marvel 616 is something to behold for not only those who know about the legend of the of this show but also spidey fans who may not have venture beyond that of the u.s um this episode is a must but there are also some other great episodes too i actually got a chance to see some really other fantastic episodes here that you might want to check out um higher further faster also gives you the perspective of what it means to be a woman in a in what's perceived to be a male-driven industry um they interview a lot of the women responsible for the direction of a lot of characters uh, female and male uh, what was I loved about that particular episode is that I me I'm a Spider Woman fan. I love Jessica Drew. I grew up watching a cartoon. I actually read the comics because I love that. I still I'm reading the recent comics right now of Spider Woman, which is really pretty good actually. I love I love it from the artwork and the the story. It's really it's not lighthearted, but it's like it's pretty good. It's not groundbreaking or anything but it's a good narrative and seeing jessica drew with the new red and black uh, costume is really awesome as well but they talked to i forgot who the woman was but they're one of the uh, women that they interview was responsible for killing off the original jessica drew and i say the original jessica drew because in the comics they killed off spider woman and they stopped uh they stopped the comics i i I, i'm wondering if i still have that comic because i bought that comic i actually shed a tear reading that book that and they also killed off cloak and dagger i believe too at one point um the original cloak and dagger series and i was really sad when they uh when they ended that series and they they gave it a special a special like variant cover for it because it showed somebody dressed in a spider woman costume really cool spider woman costume and they did it out they really did it out but i'm glad to see that they brought it back but they also talked to the um people the women responsible for bringing um you know to revitalizing uh captain marvel but also bringing in miss marvel kamala khan as well it's a i i really great episode uh amazing artisans is another episode where they uh talk to the um they they cover the latino you know fandom of it as well and they also cover which includes the um the coming of miles morales as a black and latino you know character and how that really revolutionized and the people behind that as well uh there's another one uh lost and found where they discover uh comedian and actor uh paul Shear host this one and they hunt for undiscovered characters in the marvel universe there's an episode suit up about cosplay there's another one uh called on box about the uh toy chest that of you know treasured treasure toy lines that you may have not even seen before um the marvel method which has dan slot on here as well and they covered um that aspect and another one called spotlight which uh 
I believe it is Marvel uh, created a series of one act plays to challenge teenagers to explore the human, the humans behind the your, their favorite Marvel superheroes. So uh, go out of your way to check it out. It's it's really cool. But I hope that from this, I hope that there's enough people that watched the first episode that hopefully talks them into, you know, bringing in the this series. I really I mean, it's probably when you look at it, it's very outdated. It's there's a lot to it that you're looking at. It's like, I can't believe they came out with this and what they did here. But it's history. It's a part of history. And with not for that, we may not have gotten to where we are today. And what I love about it is that um, if you play in the Spider-Man video game, they recently, you know, the original, the uh, first Spider-Man video game, they actually gave you some new skins. And one of them is a common rider Spider-Man suit, totally in anime form. Totally awesome. I love it. And it's funny that they did that and they just come out with this at the same time. Coincidence? Who knows? But go out of your way to check out the Marvel 616 series. If you're a Marvel fan, you'll love this. It's it's very awe-inspiring and just a lot of fun to watch. So, folks, that will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. Thank you guys so much for checking out this and all of our episodes here on Talk Time Live. And um, Again, I hope everybody's having a great holiday season so far. I hope everybody's keeping safe. Um, this week on Select Start, I will be reviewing No More Heroes 2. So we're going to cover that and all of the news going on in the world of gaming as well. Uh, as I said, things are going to be slowing down because of the holiday season. So we'll see what's going to happen in the coming weeks. But we'll always have at least one episode going on this week. Uh, I know, Chris, we will be having a Wonder Woman episode uh, you know, Wonder Woman 84 and all that stuff. And I can tell you this, there is possible. It is very possible that this week we may have our, we, we may have a uh, talk time live exclusive this week. Um, so stay tuned for that and much, much more. So folks, please keep checking us out, subscribing, letting everybody where to find us. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and Amazon Music as well. You can also check us out on our website, talktimelive.com where is easily able to find all of our episodes as well as our exclusive episodes with some of the best and brightest in all of our favorite fandoms so thank you guys again and i really appreciate all the support and downloads that we've been getting on this show more coming from all parts of the country and world definitely appreciate uh you taking the time to listen to me so folks that will do it on behalf of myself this is dax xavier josiah saying learn to let go live life and love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live i am out of here take care and have a great week Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.